I really just want somebody who's going to aggressively fight for me in court. Is that too much to ask? Filing an eviction should not be complicated. There's got to be an easier way. Nothing frustrates me more than having to wait for my attorney to call me back. I need them now. What I really need from my law firm is someone who can provide my staff training so we actually can stay out of trouble. When you have property management problems, we have your solutions. This is the Zona Law Group podcast with the experienced attorneys from Zona Law. Well, welcome to the Zona Law Group podcast, Mark. Love to have you here. It's always great to be here with I'm, you, David. I'm David Pickron, your host. I've got Mark Zinman, one of the partners here at the law firm. And uh, Mark, I'm going to take this opportunity. We're going to talk today a little bit about abandonment, eviction, what you do with people's stuff after they're gone. But before we do that, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Tell me why or when you knew you wanted to get into the law. Oh, that's a tough question. It, it's always made sense to me, I guess. I, I don't know. Just the analytical way of addressing things, kind of just walking through mentally what you do. Legal things just simply always made sense to me. Um, I think it came probably pretty early in maybe late high school, college, that I was going to law school. So you just felt wired for it? Yeah. Well, you're perfect at it, I'm telling you. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate such it. such a good job. Um, so, hey, let's talk a little bit about, you know, me being a landlord for many years and people that I had to evict, um, and I go over there to the place after the eviction, and there's all kinds of stuff of value, and I'm always like, what do I do with this stuff, right? So it's a big problem, I think, that housing providers have is – is what do we do with everybody's stuff when we're done with the whole legal process? And so there's two ways I think we get there. Uh, one is the abandonment process. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but let's talk about the yeah, abandonment process first of all. Sure. And I think you're right, though. I think, honestly, a lot of landlords don't realize or don't even think about the fact that, okay, I need the person to go, or maybe they left in the middle of the night. I need to find the next tenant, and they don't realize, oh, my God, I've got a unit full of this stuff. What do I do? Right. And a lot of tenants, landlords that, mom and pops that just get in the industry, they're like, all right, just throw it out and we'll move on. And then they call me after that and they're like, I'm getting sued for this. I'm like, well, yeah, you can't just yeah. throw out somebody else's personal property. Yeah. There was always that $50,000 diamond ring too. By the I way, have in seen there, right? I've seen the Picasso <laughs> on the wall. I've seen the right. Maserati in the garage, right. even if it didn't have a garage unit. Right. Yeah. So, um, but going back to the question with the abandonment, abandonment's really intended to be used in when those tenants just skip in the middle of the night. You know, it's, it's not where they're not just paying and they're trying to stay in the house. It's really set up, I think, for those really minutia, the times where the tenant maybe takes a job in another state, leaves. You never expect to see them again. You don't expect you're ever going to collect a judgment against them and they're gone. And the law allows in Arizona for you to do a, a, the abandonment process, which is after a certain set amount of days, depending on whether they have stuff in there or not, which could be seven or ten days, then the landlord is allowed to post a notice of abandonment and send one certified mail as well. And then six days later after that's done, they can go in and retake possession of the property provided they haven't heard anything from the tenant. Yeah. And so it's really in those cases where they're just gone and you don't see them as opposed to a tenant that's staying there and just hasn't paid the rent. Okay, so um, neighbor comes to the office and says, or calls you and says, I haven't seen this guy in like a week or two. And he's usually in and out of here twice a day. And I, I think he's packed up and gone. And you go over and you go through your days you're talking about. And there's all kinds of stuff still in the property. It doesn't look abandoned. Should you still do an abandonment? I don't think so. I, I think the problem with an abandonment is what you have is if you follow that process, you have a certified mailing slip that shows you certified mailed the notice to them. And then six days later, you went in and took possession. So that imagine the tenant went on vacation for two weeks. 
you <laughs> theoretically could have yeah. been done with the abandonment process and they get back and you now have a possession of their unit. You, the landlord can get sued for that. And the only proof the landlord has saying is, oh, well, I have this great certified slip. Right. Obviously, I'm an attorney. No question I'm biased towards the legal system in terms of right. protection. But if a tenant's not paying rent, go through the eviction process so you actually get a judgment saying, hey, I'm entitled to possession. I've gone through. I've done the notice. I've done the processes. And a judge actually signs off saying, landlord, you've done everything right. And that way, if a tenant comes back later, you can use that as a defense to any other claims if there's like a claim an unlawful eviction. No, I went through the eviction process. Right. Now I went on vacation. I came back and said, hey, what, what's going on? And you're like, well, you didn't pay your rent and you went on vacation. You had enough money to go on vacation, but you didn't pay your rent. How are we supposed to know we went through our legal channels? Well, on the abandonment side, you're you're kind of putting your, a risk out there. There's a little bit of liability you're taking a chance. Exactly. And it's, it's really not worth the risk unless it's those really extreme situations where you know they just took off and left. Or maybe even if like they gave a 30-day notice and you think they're gone, they just forgot to give the keys, maybe even then. But again, my preference is you'd rather go through the legal system so you really have that judgment to protect you from legal liability issues. And you were kind of explaining six days here and then 10 days here. And then, I mean, you know, luckily in Arizona, for a housing provider, this eviction process isn't months and months long like some other states. I mean, I don't want to say it's super fast, but it seems fair to me that we could have somebody who's not paying the rent out and re um, lease our units a month or two down the road. Absolutely. So, and, so, that, and the process should be around that time period to make it fair right. both for the tenant and the landlord. So if you go down the abandonment road or the eviction road, they're almost the same to me. Yeah, there's not a huge difference. Not depending a time. On, You're not as long them. as the landlord, where I see it, the only difference is, is the landlords aren't following the rights that they have by law anyways of saying, oh, well, I forgot to send out my five-day notice on the 5th, so wait, maybe I'll just wait and do the abandonment. But if landlords are running their business like a business, right. they should be sending out their notices whatever day, whether it's the 4th, the 5th, the 6th, and then following the court process after that. It really shouldn't be the, oh, I forgot to do this, therefore let me try and change directions and go through the abandonment now. Okay, so take me through a step-by-step. I just went to court. Uh, I got my, my judgment. Five days later now, the constable has come out. He's changed the keys on the door. He's given me back possession. I open up the door. And there is a house full of stuff. And that always happens. It's like I said before, it's the one thing landlords don't think about is, you know, just because the person gets out of the property doesn't mean their property gets out of the property. Um, And so you have a right when the constable goes. So when people aren't familiar with what's called executing a writ here, a writ of restitution is the constable will go out and give the person a couple minutes to get some of their most personal possessions. Medications, toothbrushes. Exactly. And so they have a, that time to get that. And the constable will just simply say, okay, you've got what you need for work. You've got these health issues. Please remove yourself from the unit. And the constable there will, you bring a locksmith and you change the locks and then you've got legal possession of that unit. And the constable signs off on the writ saying it's executed and it's done. You've got possession. Now you've got possession of that building with their stuff in it. Arizona here, we don't have like a landlord lien on the personal property. So we can't do anything in that respect like we do in commercial world. Um, but basically you have to store that property for 14 days. And so that means the first step landlords should do is send out a notice to the tenant saying, this is where we're storing your personal property. Now, some landlords, which most I would say probably, send just store the property right in the unit itself. They're not legally required to. You actually have a right if you want to store it somewhere else, offsite, maybe in a storage unit, anything else. Landlords can do that. It just seems like a lot of hassle though. But the thought process is you have to know when you take a unit back, you have 14 days of just 
holding their ten- that tenant's property and trying to communicate with them so that they can come back and get that property. Okay, so is there any kind of inventorying that they should do? Should they walk the place? Should they make notes? Absolutely. Or just lock the door and leave the unit empty for <laughs> or on a 10, 14 days? I'm, no, those are, that's, where, that's yeah. where the lawsuits come from. That's yeah. an excellent question. And to me, it comes back to, it used to be an inventory of like writing out what there was, and it's just for a liability. Because if the person comes back and says, oh, well, I had a Picasso on the wall, right. well, that's not in my inventory list. But now in the world of technology, every time you do it, it should be easy to just walk in, take a pictures on your phone, take a video walking through and showing what's actually in the unit. I mean, it's the two-minute process, and you've literally just saved yourself from an entire lawsuit of what could or could not have been in that property. And you're just literally documenting that, hey, I got possession now, and right then and there, that's when you go in and do the inventory. Okay, perfect. So whether you leave it in the unit or you take it out, it, there definitely needs to be some type of inventory going on to protect you for future lawsuits. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Now, I've also seen it where um, they uh, they the tenants that you evicted, mm-hmm. they want to come back 10 times on different occasions and pick up this or pick up that or do that. What, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I really try and avoid doing that, obviously, because especially for managers in, in apartment communities, it's, it's, it's a difficult process and it's administratively a nightmare. The law is actually silent on and how that is done. Most management companies will schedule a time for the person to come, give them a day or a certain set amount of hours to bring a truck and just empty the whole property out. That way you don't have this back and forth every single day. Um, I think what's important also with the, the 14 days is that's really the initial time period of what the tenant gets. If they're in communication working with the landlord saying, hey, I'm coming, I need this extra time, they potentially could get an additional five days as well on top of that initial 14 um, and is that by law or that? That is by law as well. Law. Correct. We actually, um, through the Arizona Multi-Housing Association, passed a bill in uh, 2018 to specifically actually change a lot of the laws on how you handle tenants' personal property after the abandonment. And it really makes everything so much easier now compared to how it was years back. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So 14 days go by. It's still there. I haven't heard from anybody. I need to get this unit back on the market. I'm in the business of making money. Yeah, you're not in the storage business. Um, so that was actually one of the greatest things that we changed. Like I mentioned, the, the bill, we got changed in 2018. So there's a couple parts of that which were critical. It used to be if you did an abandonment, you only had to store a tenant's property for 10 days. And if you did an eviction, you had to store a property for 21 days. Well, that made no sense to have a different things because for the landlord, right. they're just lost rent. So we combined those down to the 14 days the same as well. And it used to be also under the statute, you just had a right to go through with a sale of the tenant's property. So you had to do a publication and actually document that, get out notices for the sale, and actually conduct the sale of the tenant's property. Of anything worth of value. Yeah. Okay. Which, again, but that doesn't help the landlord. Right. They're it not doesn't. in the sales business. Uh, they don't They don't want to do that. Right. So we changed it to actually say also, if after the 14 days comes and gone, ten, you haven't heard from the tenant, they still have this room full of stuff, what you can do is you can go through the sale process if you want, but now the law also allows you to actually just take it to a charity and donate it, which makes things so much easier for managers of not having to go through, conduct a sale, basically like an auction, right? and publicizing and everything else. They can literally just take all the property, take it down to a charity, makes that personal property that was just left behind, it actually serves a good community purpose for everybody else that can use it, goodwill, anything like that. And then they just get one of those, you know, slips showing that they actually donated the, the property. And that documents them as well. And the purpose is that the manager housing provider didn't get a gain of a 60-inch TV into their their unit. They don't want 
the manager or the property management company to gain from someone leaving their property behind? Is that why it needs that, to go to charity? Exactly. Yeah. And if landlords don't want it. There's always that claim that, oh, well, yeah, you stole all my stuff. No, it went to charity or it was sold. The manager's not in the business of that. It's literally just they know they need to get that unit vacant so they can turn it and rent somebody else. And that's what this always comes down to is managers want bodies in the units. They right. want residents there. They want residents paying. The eviction process isn't fun for them. It's not part of the business model. The purpose is to have residents, and that's really what they need to turn and get somebody else in there. Okay, switch gears a little bit on you. Um, you find that a property is abandoned or you're going through the eviction process. No human beings in the unit or no sign of them, but there's pets. Uh, one of the worst cases you can find. I mean, I'm a pet lover. I know you're a pet lover as well. It's just, it's horrible. I've seen tons of cases where managers go in and they've even, they did the writ. Or maybe it took a couple of days and there's literally just a dog that's been left in there. We've seen that. I can't tell you how many times. That's actually another part of the thing that we addressed at the legislature as well. Um, we had Mary Schramm, who was a property manager for years and years and years, come to the legislature and tell stories of what she would see with abandoned animals that cowering in closets because they were afraid of people. Um, and so we put into the law that the manager has rights in terms of addressing how to handle that animal. So they can actually take the animal themselves if they want to. They can take it to a pet shelter and basically just kind of open the book for managers to do whatever they think is right to be able to handle that animal and shelter it. Because before, in the old law prior to 2018, an animal is just personal property. So theoretically, if it was an eviction under the old law, you just had to store it for 21 days in the unit. <laughs> well, that doesn't really work very well when right. you're dealing with a pet that actually needs to be fed, taken care of. Go to the bathroom, taken out, walked. Or yeah, but that's how the law was written prior to 2018. So we right. really tried to change the law for that. Is so to that opened up opened up issue. quite a bit, and so there's not a whole lot of regulation on that. Just take care of the pet or take it down to the animal shelter. Yeah, they have a cu there's mm -hmm. three enumerated things of their right. options, but it, it opens it up a lot for them. Okay, perfect. And then one other thing is if you come in after an eviction or an abandonment, we're mostly talking about evictions right now, but you come in afterwards and there's roaches or bed bugs or the place, it needs attention now or it's going to spread into other units and you need to get some of that stuff out of there to kind of clean it all up. Yes. What do you recommend? Uh, we see that all the time. Uh, unfortunately, honestly, it's like the bane of the practice right now is hearing about how bed bugs are a problem throughout the city, throughout the state, and I know it's a problem across the country as well. Um, and so that also again, actually is one of the changes we put in 2018 and hadn't been addressed. But even if a unit has tenants full personal property in there, if there's an infestation, definitely with bed bugs, probably with cockroaches as well, you can actually just simply dispose all of the stuff. You don't have to store it. You don't have to donate it. It's just, hey, this is the problem. We're documenting it. And then we need to simply dispose of it. So what I generally suggest to clients is if somebody's going to come back on those types of cases and sue you for throwing out their property, you want to be able to have some sort of documentation of what the problem was, right? Well, the best thing I always suggest is just have the exterminator company come in, say, look, this couch, this unit is infested with bed bugs. It needs to be disposed of. Otherwise, it's going to be right. transferred to every other unit around there. That's how bed bugs live. They will find a different host somewhere else. And so you get a document from your exterminator, then your rights kick in and you can dispose of it and really protect the other residents that are in the community. Okay, perfect. So make sure you put that documentation in your file and you're good to go as far as anything like that. Um, how do you determine or how do you tell your clients what is what is something that's worth value? In other words, I, I come into a unit and they just left the just junky couch that's just half ripped up and the only reason they did left it there is they just didn't want to move it. 
So how do you determine what's a value that qualifies under 14 days and what you can just get rid of as garbage and trash and, and reclaim your unit? Yeah, so the important part of there to that is actually the Landlord-Tenant Act specifically says it has a provision in there saying that if you put it in your lease, that, it's a, that the landlord determines that anything in there is of no value, you don't have to store it. So it's important the law gives us that right, but then you actually have to have that in your lease as well. So you have to know, okay, this is a lease provision and I, I need in there. It is a subjective decision for the landlord to say what is or is of not value. I mean, I'm generally in the ballpark of like 300 or less, 500 or less is pretty much arguable that it's not worth the storage and cost of moving to actually keep those items for the 14 days. The money lost is more than the items that are there. So when you see like the one nightstand, you don't have to store the one nightstand. Clearly, they're not coming back for that. That's just disposed. And that's all cash value, estimated cash value. That wouldn't be sentimental value because I see these guys coming. Oh, I, my mom gave me that on her deathbed, and it was a chain, and it was so valuable. It was invaluable to me, and they yeah, don't take we, any we of that. Yeah, we look to cash value. Cash value. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you dispose out of an entire unit, for example, though, on the kind of the cases where new landlords get into it and they just throw it out, the sentiment value on an entire life of property will come in that will be very critical to a judge. But in terms of just disposing the one-off items because they were left and right. they're not a value, it's just the value. I have a question for you. I'm take it back to the $300. $300 total for the whole unit, $300 per item. What? Where is Generally total for what you're looking at. Total. Exactly. Okay. Otherwise, everything you could argue is every one-off item, you'd hit like 55 <laughs> items I'm and they're all over 300. I'm just looking for, you know, the loopholes here. No, so. trust me. I like the clarity. <laughs> yeah, I'm an attorney. The more clear we can be, the better. Perfect. Well, um, and I think that's perfect. I think that, that you have given us so much clarity on how we handle those units we walk into that are still occupied by content, not by people. Um, it's all, And to me, honestly, the biggest thing is just documenting. That's what it always comes back to. It's the CYA to make sure you don't get sued right. later. And I've, like I've said, I've seen it. I had a guy once that was in jail, came out a year later and sued because he alleged that the landlord wrongfully disposed of his stuff while he was in jail you got to document the file so you don't get in those situations. Well, Zona.Law has a lot of other training videos on it, and we'd like people to subscribe to that because we've got a lot of good content coming. I think you learned a lot today about how to deal with content, but if you ever have any questions and there's ever any concerns, you're a phone call away. Absolutely. We try to be there accessible always for our clients. I mean, responsiveness is our culture in terms of like addressing what the client needs because in the management world, it's not, hey, I've got a problem. Get back to me next week. It's, I've got something going on right now. There's a dog in the unit. What do I do with that dog? And there are so many different situations. You couldn't possibly put out enough training for every unique situation. So I love how you guys are so accessible. Pick up the phone, get an attorney right away, and get answers to your questions. We appreciate you joining us today, Mark. We appreciate you being here and giving us your insights. It's been great, grateful for that. Thank you so much. I wish always. I could take your head and open it up and throw all that knowledge and just <laughs> give it to everybody. You just certainly have a lot of knowledge there, and we're grateful for That's it. That's what we're here for. For that. Well, continue to do your best out there to be just a great manager, and until next time, we will see you again. Thank you.